episode 84. This is the Business Generals Podcast. We chat with amazing entrepreneurs every single week to help you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career. Subscribe to the show and check out businessgenerals.com for full show notes, free tools, and killer resources to help you on your journey to maximizing your business dreams. And now, your host, Davis Mutabwa. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Journals Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs. Happy to have you here on the show with us today. If you have not already done so, remember to click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss an episode. It's Davis Mutawa here, your host. Super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Justin Hales. Justin, welcome to the Business Journals Podcast. Hey, Davis. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Justin is the CEO and founder of Camplify, which is often described as like having an Airbnb for caravans. It is Australia's largest caravan hire and RV sharing community. So super excited to hear Justin's story. I've seen him on TV. I've I've read about him in the newspapers. And I'm so excited to have you, Justin, here on the show. So once again, welcome. And uh, maybe kick us off with a little bit about your non-business background. Who's Justin outside of Camplify? Yeah, so I live in Newcastle. I've been Hunter Valley slash Novocastrian all my life. Uh, It's a great place to live. I moved from the uh, country town I was in as a kid the whole 35 minutes up the road to Newcastle. So now I'm... uh, Live about oh, six minutes drive to the beach, uh, about ten minute drive to the office, and uh, yeah, it's a great place to live uh, here with my my wife and our fur children, and yeah, love um, love building businesses and helping people, and yeah, it's a it's a great place to kind of be able to launch things from as well, which is excellent. So, for people listening from around the world, to help us locate Newcastle for us. Yes, Newcastle's about two hours and 20 minutes north of Sydney. And so we're, you know, I guess you'd kind of think of it a little bit like the uh, New Jersey of New York. Awesome. Justin, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your background. Now, tell us about your current business and then we'll start to dig a bit into how that all came about. So what is Camplify? Yeah, so like you said, Camplify is a bit like Airbnb, but for caravans, motorhomes, camper trailers, camper vans or in the UK static caravans you know a whole range of different types of RVs Mm -hmm. and we basically provide the platform the insurance uh, the contracts the customer service all the facilities needed for a community that can connect together on both an owner's side and a hire's side so that uh, people can share something they're not using and go away on holidays and not have to go and buy one of these awesome RVs. Mm. It's a brilliant idea. I was watching you on uh, one of the morning shows on television um, the other night, and I was just listening to how you know one of the guys who owns a caravan and and yourself and the the presenters just talking about the whole thing. And you know today you can hire an Uber, you can go to Airbnb, and you can do that. And and so this is just another innovative idea, which is amazing. So I want to hear more about the story. But tell me first, how long have you been in full time business for yourself, Justin? Uh, for myself, I've been doing uh, bits and pieces in terms of you know, contracting and you know doing things for a long, long time. You know, I, I really I started my first 
business for myself when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing training in IT. I actually set up a little contracting business and I was training teachers and education staff how to use uh, computers more effectively. And I've had various businesses over the years, uh, various different dipping my toe into the entrepreneur pool, if you like. But uh, really, this is my first big thing that I've done by myself. And so I've been doing that now for about two and a half years. Wow. Congratulations on the big, big leap. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us what are your core revenue streams at the moment in the business? Yeah. So we uh, basically um, take a commission on every booking that we process through our platform, pretty much. And that commission goes towards funding our business, uh, our staff, our insurances, all the the platform development we have to do. So really we're a a commission-based model and every time we help our customers hire out their vans more, then uh, we make more revenue. Give us a bit of an insight into the scale of your business today. You know, can you share some numbers, your reach, etc.? We started, launched our platform in August 2015, so basically two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. We started that process with about 20 RVs on the platform to begin. And today we're over two and a half thousand. So just to give you a bit of a context, um, the two biggest rental fleets in Australia are Apollo Tourism and Leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have around uh, just over 3,000. And Brits or THL Holdings who have just over... 2000 I believe so we're kind of punching right up there as one of the biggest rental fleets in Australia um, Mm -hmm. at the moment and we've built basically the entire fleet in two years that must be a lot of long hours I would imagine right a lot of hard work uh, a lot of uh, long hours but also uh, we've got a really good team and we really do care about providing a great product and, and a great experience to our customers so our customers have really supported it and They've been raving fans, which has really helped us. Mm-hmm. And so how did this whole idea come about for you? Uh, so uh, my wife and I were just walking around our suburb here in Newcastle and every afternoon we walk our dog and she said to me, oh, it'd be great to go on a caravanning holiday at Christmas time. I've never been on, in a caravan before. Mm. Um, myself, I always spent all of my holidays in caravans when I was a kid. My parents uh, had a caravan or my aunties and uncles had a caravan. Uh, we would all go on, on holidays together. So I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. We should do that. And then I started looking to the actual, how do I actually do that? And, and how do I find access to this type of holiday? And how do I um, do it without having to go and purchase one myself? Because I live in an area where I've got no off-street parking. Mm. Um, we like to go on lots of different holidays. So I didn't want to go and uh, have to buy one just to go on one particular holiday. And I found that that was actually quite difficult, that there wasn't any one provider that I could go to to be able to actually do this. And uh, I love to book things online. I love to be able to just explore things and research stuff and then to go and book it. And I just really couldn't find anything to be able to do it. So I thought there's got to be something that, you know, is like Airbnb, but for caravans where I'm walking around the suburbs and I can see hundreds of these things just sitting there doing nothing for most of the year. Why not be able to share those with other people who are looking for them just like me? And mm. that's where we started. When I heard your story the first time, and I, I was like, oh, that's that's interesting because just like five houses from where we are here in Melbourne, 
there's one caravan on one corner and another caravan just like diagonally across the house and one of them is covered yeah. in a tarpaulin you'll, and the other you'll one... start to see lots more now that you think about it. <laughs> yeah um it's it's interesting and i've got we've got a family friend who actually manufactures caravans here here and uh, and i know they're not cheap the, the cheaper end is like 55 to sixty thousand dollars. that's right and um so you, it's, it's a bit of change Exactly. Yeah. It's a big investment. And that's actually why it's the perfect sharing economy model, because it's something that you know costs a significant amount to invest in. And most people only use it for, for literally like a couple of weeks of the year. So it really is the perfect thing to be able to share uh, on both sides of the equation. So how did you then start to work on this idea? So you've walked around, you said, oh, wow, that'll be an, that'll be an amazing idea. I'm guessing that wasn't your first, your first big idea. Well, there was a couple of things. So first of all, this all kind of uh, coincided with the NRMA, which is a bit like the RACQ or the RACV in in Victoria, um, Mm -hmm. running an innovation program. And they were looking for uh, startups that had an idea that would fit in with their customers and their their way of doing business and their their particular types of um, services they offer. And so... When I heard that they were looking for these types of ideas and this seemed like a great idea to me, I thought, well, I've got to start formulating this, start working on it, start building a website, start to test it a little bit to see whether I could actually get some customers and whether it would work and you know, have other people done this or done it well or um, how how's it fit in terms of a product. Um, mm-hmm. And I start, All the things started to fall in place. I started to work out that actually I really do think this would work and I think that there was no one else out there doing it really well on at to scale so I thought well I'm going to have a go at actually entering into that roadshow that they were looking for uh, so I entered that program and put to them that this is what I wanted to build um, and this is what I wanted to to do um, and how I was going to do it went through the application process there was about think about 500 applicants that, or businesses that went into that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, they narrowed that down to about 40 that actually went to a, a pitch day to pitch their ideas. And so we were one of those. Uh, we pitched our idea. Uh, they loved it. They loved what, our plan to, to execute it. And then they made us an offer to go into their uh, their program. And that was a, a 12-week accelerator program. And we said, yeah, let's do it. So we went into the 12-week program and uh, it was a really intensive look at how to build a startup. And we really launched this, uh, the platform and business on the back of that program. Right. And was this just a PowerPoint deck at this point? Yes, absolutely. PowerPoint deck and uh, a crudely built website that I built myself. <laughs> but you're an IT guy, but you, you were still pretty quick. Pretty quick job. It was. Yeah, definitely. And so what, what happened in that, in that 12 weeks that you, you would say made a difference? Yeah, so in that 12 weeks, what we really were able to do was to understand the customer more, test more things, mm. uh, learn about different marketing strategies, about uh, how to run experiments, about how to actually learn the lean methodology behind building products to actually have a market fit and ensuring that when we built them, that we knew that our customers were actually going to use them and then find effective ways to get customers on board. So we went through that whole process and we started building a platform, we started building a brand, uh, we started to acquire customers and really work out exactly how to do this thing that is you know, a lean methodology startup. And then mm. 
on the back of that process and the end of that program, when that was finished, we decided to uh, raise some capital. And because we'd gone through that program, that was a relatively easy process to go through. So we, we then raised some capital and that capital helped us to actually build this product into what it is today. Okay, I want to take you back to those 12 weeks and let's just break some of those points down just a little bit more. So getting better understanding of what customers really needed and wanted, how did you do that? Yeah, so I think um, when when people hear this idea first, they think about, well, I guess the biggest market for this is the great nomad market. Hmm. And while they are an important part of the segment of uh, caravan and RV ownership in Australia, they're actually not the perfect customer for us. They're not the customer that is growing the fastest in the segment. Uh, Not saying that we don't have lots of those customers and they're great customers, we do, but we needed to find who our ideal customer was. So we started to look into who that ideal customer was. And so we started to build customer personas and find that ideal customer for us and uh, on both sides of our market, because we do have a two-sided marketplace. Mm-hmm. And we knew that if we were getting lots of people hiring who are families and lots of people listing who are grey nomads, those things weren't going to work. So we needed to be able to match those two parties together in, in a way that actually provided both sides, that supply and demand side, the right particular solution. So building those customer personas and building out those ways that we knew that our customers would want to consume this product and get deep inside uh, the mind of the customer was step one. So we did that through numerous different ways. Uh, So Mm -hmm. for example, I think the second week we started the program, we went to a caravan show. We had no money at that stage. Uh, Mm -hmm. We didn't really know what we were doing. So we decided we're going to go to the stand outside the show and as people are walking into the show, we're going to give them a quick survey and say, right. hey, do you want a lolly? And can you just answer these couple of questions for us as you're walking into the show? So we started to ask them about, you know, do they own an RV? Are they looking for an RV? What are they doing at the show? You know, what type of RV do they own? How old are they? What do they do? Lots and lots of questions. Um, mm-hmm. And we started to gather all that data together. You know, the last question is, would you ever hire it out if you own one? To somebody else then we started to look at the reaction to that and then we said well no most people would say no and we said okay well if you got a thousand dollars would you hire it out and they go oh maybe i would <laughs> so we started to understand that customer a little bit more and start to understand and dig into the actual customer's emotions and how connected they were to it now bearing in mind we weren't meant to be at this event. We didn't pay to be at this event. Mm. Um, so we actually got kicked off the premise by the security <laughs> guards. Um, but we learned lots and lots of good data about the customer. And we then started to collate that data and, and segment the data and work out, well, who is that customer? And how do we locate that customer? How do we most cheaply get access to that person that we know there's a very good chance that they're going to be our ideal customer? Mm. Um, and that's that's where we started to to build that customer database. What was the most challenging piece in between, um, you know, the beginning of that twelve weeks and the time you actually launched to get to your first customer? Was it the platform or uh, platform was difficult? But being from a software background, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy, and I knew that it wasn't going to be 
launched as quickly as we want it to be or even as quickly as we thought it would be. Mm. These things, when you're trying to build a software package to do something that doesn't exist anywhere else, are difficult. And you're going to make lots of mistakes and you're going to constantly move your scope and you're going to build features you think you need but you don't really need. So you need to try and find an in-between of the minimum uh, features that you can build just to be able to satisfy the customer's needs. So I knew that was going to be difficult, and it was. It took longer than we thought, and it was terrible when we first launched it, but that was okay because that's how those things go. But probably the most challenging thing was to actually get access to those customers and have them trust us that we were the people who could actually deliver that result for them. Mm. And and part of that was making sure that we had the right team to be able to do that. So I started the program with three other people. Two of those people dropped out because they weren't the right team. And one's still in the business today, and we've now got an, a new people into the business that are the right team. So we needed to have that team together working effectively uh, and being able to deliver a result for that customer that we knew that, that needed that result delivered. So what was the first couple of things you did in order to find that sort of point of access to the your customer persona that you had identified? Yeah, so the first thing we did was we went and found ourselves an amazing digital marketer. Mm-hmm. And he's still in, still in our business, he's our CMO. He's awesome at what he does. And uh, we started to work out how can we get to that person online in the most effective way. So the majority of that was through Facebook for us. And we spent a bit of money on Facebook marketing and actually uh, really got inside the mind of that customer and, and started to begin a conversation with that customer and then took that offline to have a one-on-one conversation with those people to to actually get them to be engaged with the the product and, and with us uh, as a business. So that was where we started to acquire those leads and then we needed to nurture them and get them uh, engaged with us um, on a one-on-one level. And which side of your market space did you start with? Was it the people wanting to hire or the or the people who had caravans? Uh, we started with both at the same time because we knew we needed both, but the, mo- the hardest part was going to be the supply part, the actual caravan. So oh, really? that's where we needed to work the hardest. We knew from search volumes and from turning on some AdWords that we had lots of demand side. So we started to capture those people into a database, into a CRM, and tell them that we were building this thing for them and that they needed to come along with the ride for us and we would find them the right solution for them and be a part of this uh, platform that we were building because we knew that they had a problem and we were mm-hmm. going to solve it for them. So the other, the other side was the hardest, to actually get the people to say, lend your caravan to this person that you have never met before uh, who will look after it for you and will help you to make sure it's safe. Mm. Um, So it's the classic uh, sharing economy thing. Like when someone first hears about Airbnb without knowing what Airbnb is and says, you let a complete stranger into your house to sleep in one of your bedrooms and you're okay with that. It sounds nuts, but it works Mm. because of the way that the system is built. Great. Okay, so... Let's keep moving along this story. So you mentioned at the beginning you had 20 caravans. That, that's what you started with. So yep. how did those first few come about? Do you remember the stories about that? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it was you know, Facebook marketing and content marketing and putting stuff out. And then we went to 
we exhibited at a Caribbean Expo. We paid for this one. And we started to talk to people about, hey, do you want to do this? And some of them would say, actually, I saw you guys, something about that is on Facebook. Mm. I am interested. How does it work? So we start to have that conversation. We start to just you know get a lead and just be on the phone to them constantly saying, hey, we, you know, we really want to do this. We'll find you the perfect person to hire your van. When we find that person, we'll come to you. And, you know, you can trust us that they'll be able to look look after the van for you. So, you know, it was just a matter of kind of really creating a personal relationship with those people that were interested in this via Facebook or a trade show or some PR article that we'd had or something so that they could start to actually trust that we would be able to do this for them. So I know you're not the digital marketing person here, but... Do you understand what were the targets that you were actually going for? And in case somebody's just trying to get some lessons on how you managed to reach those, what were some of those things that you were doing on Facebook? Yeah, so the majority of it was around content marketing. So uh, we created, I think now we're up to about 2,500 different custom audiences. Um, we started out mm-hmm. creating content for people about this topic. So we looked at what were people looking for in old school forums? What were they searching for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what questions were they asking in Facebook groups? Because people had you know thought about this before. What we want the first people to thought, think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we looked at what are the questions they were asking, and we started to create content that would actually answer those questions for those people. And then we started to, to disseminate that content through Facebook. And say, so when someone started to look for that in a forum, we'd be in that forum and we'd go, hey, here's an article that might answer that question for you. Why don't you go check it out? They'd go to Camplify, they'd read the article, and then we've then tried to capture their email address or we can Facebook mm-hmm. pixel them so that we can then place an ad towards them or send them an email uh, from that. So that, that's how we first started with really that uh, an aggressive content marketing strategy around trying to answer questions that people were asking because mm-hmm. we knew that those people asking those questions would be the, our early adopters. I love that strategy. Do you think that strategy still works? I think it works a little bit less than it did a couple of years ago. I think that there's too many people out there trying to click clickbait people, unfortunately, who have mm. ruined the actual really good content. But if you produce really, really quality content that isn't trying to just sell something to somebody, people still want to read it and they still want to hear the story and they still want to you know, research things for themselves. So I think that that's still valuable now. But I, I don't think it is quite as effective as, as it was a couple of years ago. And were you doing blog posts or videos or just posters? What were you doing? Yeah, yeah mainly mainly blog posts. Um, our, our sort of next evolution to that was to create a stack load of, of video ads. So we did around about, I think we created 150 video ads and we created them at a grassroots level. So we'd say... Hey, caravan owner, uh, are you in Melbourne? Did you know that people just like you in Melbourne can hire out their caravan? They can drop it off at a caravan park in Torquay and they can earn typically between X and Y from their caravan that would otherwise be doing nothing. Why don't you talk to us about how that how that would work for you? And then we, so we created like 150 of these ads based on different locations. So are you in Brisbane? Are you in Sydney? Are you, are you in... Right. Yeah, Port Macquarie, are you in Newcastle, wherever you are? And we talked about the local things in that region and we put local backgrounds behind us in the studio and all that kind of stuff <laughs> um, so that people actually thought, oh, they're playing an 
ad and it's it's localized it's for me it's i'm mm. that person i'm in that area okay i will talk to these people so i think that, that strategy worked quite well for us early on when nobody kind of knew what we were doing so that those are the ones you then promoted and paid for did you pay for the blogs and boost those as well no, we didn't pay for any of the blogs. We simply used Facebook groups. So there's lots and lots of really big Facebook groups out there around caravanning and camping. Um, mm. We just started to have conversations in those groups and provide content to those people that are asking questions. Great. So you just had like your marketing person or somebody assisting in that team doing that constantly, I guess. Yeah, that was me at the start. Yeah. That was you. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Very good. And then how did that evolve? So once you've got your first 20 and then you've opened up the, the doors, I would imagine. Yes. So, you know, we can have our first hires then. So we start to have those first hires and we start to see what happens. We start to see how the two customers engage, how the conversation and, and you know, what, how that interaction works. Look at how people feel about it. So you know, every step of the way, we're talking to the owner and the hirer saying, how, you know, how was Chris? How was John? You know, did you enjoy the, the holiday? Did you look after everything? Um, mm. You know, both sides of the things. And then we started to build case studies and stories about those people. So Chris just hired his van out. He earned $2,500 when it otherwise would have been sitting in his front yard. And he hired it to John. And John had a great holiday and went here. And John and Chris are now friends. And this all works. And you guys can do it too. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, it makes it more real because somebody else is doing it who's just like you. So, yeah. And how did the technology hold up at the beginning? Because you, the rating system, I guess, I don't know whether you've automated the rating system, like an Uber or an Airbnb, or yeah, our our first platform was um, one of my uh, directors, board of directors members, tells me it's absolutely disgraceful. He uh, told me it was the worst experience he'd ever had on the internet. Uh, <laughs> But it worked, and yeah. um, we did a lot of stuff manually, right. a lot of a lot of concierging behind the scenes uh, because we really didn't know which features people actually wanted to use, and we didn't want to mm. go build a huge platform that mostly got thrown away because it didn't suit the customer's need. So we kind of built the bare minimum that we could build, and we're not UX experts, um, so a lot of it we kind of designed and, and built ourselves and and that meant that it wasn't well thought out but it worked and it got customers starting to transact and it got people starting to use the platform and talk about the platform and, and that's what we wanted great so justin i'm loving this interview i'm really learning lots here and i think the the story that you have gone through is something that somebody can can literally take and apply to to an idea that they have and maybe even, you know, take some of those strategies that you have used. Now, I missed out a question here that I wanted to know. I don't know if you're open about this, but how much did you actually invest in order to get it all up and running? Uh, initially, we invested uh, 30K um, mm-hmm. and then that was enough to get us started. And then we raised another 650 that sort of lasted us another 18 months. So, you know, but really to begin and get everything built it was the it was thirty k, right? So it's not cheap because you were you had a, a pretty good full time gig before that. So you, at some point you went full time into this, didn't you? I did, yeah. So when we raised that um, that six fifty, I then started to go 
more full time. I was still doing a little bit of contracting on the side, but you know, as I started, we started to get a little bit of income, and then really around about what was it probably December fifteen was when I I was sort of full time into it. Right, and how are the numbers looking in terms of profitability or in terms of some of the forecasts that you had? Obviously, you got two thousand five hundred caravans, so that looks like you you've grown pretty well. Yeah, look, we're constantly growing. With our transaction volume is you know increasing dramatically every day. You know, just last or the last month, uh, we paid out I think around about three hundred thousand to our owners for wow. that was for September. So, mm-hmm. and you know, we grow about twenty percent sort of month on month. So, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of see how much we're growing and, and how we are increasing our, our revenue every single month. Yeah. Um, and the great thing for us is because we're a very scalable business and we've built our, our software with a global view in mind, we've now launched in the UK, um, mm. and really we only need two resources in the UK to actually uh, run our entire business. Um, and then uh, mm-hmm. we can launch now into another couple of countries as well, and, and it's, we don't need to expand our team very much at all. Uh, we don't need to expand our software platform very much at all. So it's very, very scalable, and it means that what we've built in Australia, we can, you know, the UK is about double the size of the market in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. Other markets like Germany are about triple the size. So, you know, we can sort of build and build and build on the back of that. Right. And and how's the competition in those spaces? Do you still have similar models or, or you still have some uniqueness in what you're doing? Uh, we definitely have competitors, but there's space for lots of us in the market, which is good because, um, mm. you know, I think that we feel as though we've really nailed our our owner's requirements. Um, mm. And, you know, we do th- things a little bit different to other customers out uh, platforms out there. And our customers really like that. And it means that, you know, for me, I don't want to be the only platform out there trying to do this because if I am, I'm sort of saying, well, why am I the only platform? And I don't want to be educating the entire market myself. I'd rather have a couple of us out there trying to do it and have a share of that pie each because it's very difficult to try and tell customers that, you know, you are, this is something that you should be doing and you're spending all your time actually trying to convince a customer to do it rather than actually acquiring them as a customer. So Airbnb wasn't the first platform to provide an online bed and breakfast facility. Um, They just did it well and they sort of capitalized on a market where other people are already doing it as well. So, you know, in my opinion, you don't want to be the only player in that, in that market. It, it is, uh, can be get in a rabbit hole in terms of spending lots of money trying to build customers. That's a good philosophy that I haven't really heard shared too much. So, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, would you say Justin, there was a, a big breakthrough moment over the last sort of two and a half years? Uh, I think that it kind of, was when we started to work out that what our customers needed in terms of every single piece of the puzzle to be able to hire. Uh, and one of those things was insurance. So being able to have a insurance policy underwritten for us that enabled us to be able to provide an on-demand insurance policy, which meant it didn't matter who you were with, you could hire your vehicle out through us and uh, you were able to be fully insured through our insurance provider, that meant that customers had some safety and security. And it wasn't 
you know, a, a guarantee that we provide. It was actually a hard-written insurance policy underwritten by an insurance provider uh, who was backing that up. So that was one of the key moments. And, and the other key moment for us was about being able to really build on the back of uh, the success stories that we've had and actually get this product uh, into the marketplace and have those raving fans say, these guys know what they're doing. Um, I've had some great experience and you, know, you should too. Give us a bit of a, maybe one or two stories that have really stuck with you. Uh, well, I, I tell this story a little bit and it's it's a great story. It's um, one of our owners in, in Brisbane. Uh, so he started with us and I was got a screenshot of when he first heard about us um, through Facebook and he made a comment about, oh, I'm not sure whether this is going to work and I'm not sure whether I'd let anybody hire out my camper trailer and you got to make sure that you've got the right insurances and all this kind of stuff. And um, mm. So he started with us with one camper trailer and decided to hire it out and see how it went. That was 12 months ago in July. Uh, today, he's quit his full-time job and he hires out 14 uh, caravans and, and camper trailers full-time with us. What? 14? So... That that's that's one of our favourite uh, stories to tell. Yeah. Um, you know, in for the September school holidays, we put eighty thousand dollars into his bank account. Um, wow. So yeah, it's it's been great to be able to uh, help a guy who was a fly-in, fly-out worker, not being able to see his family, um, mm. to being able to you know do this full time and pick his take his kids to school and pick them up from school every day. So, Justin, people have bought, I know people who've bought like a brand new car or close enough to, to you and do Uber. Yes. And so, based on what you've seen in the numbers, I'm sure you're probably familiar with the Uber numbers as well. Yep. Would you, would you categorically say yours gives a better value return? I would say it does. And uh, I would also say that the difference with our platform is that you don't have to be driving your RV around for you to make money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you can go do something else and your RV is out there working for you. And, you know, depending on areas and the type of RV and all that kind of stuff, you can get a 30% return um, out of an RV um, through our platform. It's, the numbers really do stack up and it, you know, you have to be the right person and you have to take it seriously and, and, and do the work that's required to do it. And no matter what anybody says, the sharing economy still requires some work. But you know the, the money is great if you if you find the right the right market to product market fit. And just just on the the mechanics of how the owners would sort of do the transaction, how does that physically happen? So um, they list on our site. Uh, they provide all the information and uh, descriptions and photos and all that kind of stuff about what they're providing. Our team then sort of engages with them and uh, helps them to optimise that, that listing, however it may be, to help them. Hirers will then find that listing. They'll put a booking inquiry in on our platform to say that I'd like to hire it. Those two parties then talk to each other through the platform. And mm-hmm. once the owner feels satisfied and is happy, uh, they then approve that person to be able to hire their their vehicle. Then the transaction occurs through our platform and then you know those two sort of talk about the arrangements that need to happen the hirer 
comes to the owner's premise and takes it away or gets it dropped off at, at an agreed location, whatever it may be. And then, you know, at the end of it, they review each other. They provide, they do checklists and stuff all the way along. And that's pretty much it. Right. And do you have like a tracker where the caravan is? No, we don't. We are actually launching that soon. But right now, no, we, no, we don't have that product. Right. But, but you've got good insurance. So I guess that gives them peace of mind. Right? Correct. Yeah. Very good. Look, we've talked a lot about the mechanics of your business. I just want to finish off maybe a little bit about the philosophy of what you do and how you, you run your business. So, um, you know, do you invest in mentors? Do you think that's important? Has that helped you? Well, I think that um, a lot of the mentors that I have in the business have come through actually people who have invested in our business. So, you know, I've basically kind of invested in mentors by giving them some equity for in exchange for some money. Yeah. Um, but um, we've picked people who to invest in our business who we knew would actually give us more than just money. Yeah. And so, you know, we've got a really good mix of, you know, really excellent finance people, startup background people, people with industry experience, you know, people that are just really good business people that we can go to and talk to about challenges that we might have in the business and, and get their thoughts and ideas around how we could solve that problem. Or, you know, just get their thoughts and ideas about if, you know, a new product we think we might launch is a good idea and have we really thought about all the things that we need to think about and challenge us on those things and make sure that we can actually provide a great experience. So we're lucky to have lots of those people involved in our business. Mm-hmm. And the other side of how we kind of do our mentoring is through other people involved in the sharing community. And so because we're involved in the sharing economy, lots of those people want to share knowledge and experiences and stuff with other sharing economy founders. So I'm involved with a group called the Sharing Hub, and it's five of the top Australian sharing platforms uh, involved in, in that group together. And we collaborate and work together and share ideas and knowledge and it really helps to get things flowing and, and to solve problems in your business by working with, with your peers that are going through the similar things. That's amazing. Uh, I've got a question for you. You've posted some good numbers. Obviously, the business is growing. You've got investors. Maybe some of them um, might be interested in working out, you know, what does an exit strategy look like? Maybe, you know, you're going overseas. Has anybody knocked on your door or is that something within your goal framework of having a good exit? For, you know, Look, I think, I think it's always important to think about. I think that it's a little bit early for us yet to be thinking about that um, mm. right now. But, you know, we do have a few different options in terms of looking at, you know, where we could go to with that particular strategy in mind. And, you know, there's various ways that we can do that through acquisition or, you know, through a merger with another company or, you know, various ways to be able to provide that. We'll just see how things play out over the next couple of couple of months and, and years for us to growing it through the other markets and, and see where we get to. That's good. Um, Justin, what are the best two books that you have read that you feel have been great influence to you as an entrepreneur that you love to share with other other listeners? Yeah, so our Bible to start with was uh, The Lean Startup. Um, that was a, it's an excellent book and you know, anybody that wants to start a business, doesn't matter whether it's in tech or whatever space, should read that book. It's great methodologies to run your ideas past. Uh, we have a our social media and, and one of our digital marketers, she 
I went through a entrepreneur's course with Newcastle University, which I actually uh, was involved with. Didn't know, know her at the time, and uh, she actually has joined our team now and told me that I was involved in the course, and I was a judge on their exhibit day. And mm. they followed that lean startup methodology through the lean startup really well. And on the back of that, she launched a muffin business that her and a partner now have mm. and is absolutely killing it. So it doesn't matter whether it's digital or not, it, it still fits. And, and one of her mentors that was in that, taught it in that course that I actually love his book as well, is called Run, Running Lean by Ash Maroa. It's a really, really good book and it kind of takes the lean startup to the next level. And so both of those books, I think, are, are excellent things for anybody who not just starting a business that has a new idea that they want to launch should really go back and explore. Just repeat that second book for me again. Second book was uh, Running Lean by Ash Maroa. Okay, great, great, great. Now, Justin, obviously, you would naturally be a mentor to different people who probably randomly bump into you at different, different occasions, different conferences. Um, so what is the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn uh, is always good. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to look to uh, reach out to me through there mm-hmm. or jump on our website and fill out the contact form and I'll get back to you. But yeah, link- LinkedIn is probably the best way. Great. Now, Justin, for my last question, and before I do that, I just want to thank you for coming onto this show and acknowledge you for everything you're doing in the marketplace. You know, that was an amazing story of helping somebody change their lifestyle through your idea. And, uh, and I'm sure there are many more stories that you'll have um, that will come along along the way where people can actually have an alternative to their lifestyle and, and in their income stream, plus the alternative to be able to go and do some camping or or something or other like that for the consumers like myself. So so really appreciate it for what you're doing in the marketplace and all the lives that you're impacting and also for sharing your wisdom so freely with our community here at the Business Journalist Podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, for my last question, Justin, when all is said and done, do you think about legacy? And if you do, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why? Well, that's a big question. Uh, look, I'm not sure, so sure about a legacy, but what I guess I'd love to be remembered for is just being able to influence other people to find a way to do this kind of thing themselves. So my mother and father are both teachers. Uh, they've both been teachers their entire life. People stop me every day in the street almost and say, hey, how's your dad? He was the best teacher I've ever had. Say hello to him mm. for me and thank him for helping me to you know, get to where I am in my life. And mm. so for me, that's a pretty big legacy to have as, as an individual. And so if I could be remembered for helping other people to think about a way to create an amazing business that helps others and also to you know, make a difference in their lives and, and the world around them, then, then that's a great way to be remembered. I love that. That's a personal um, story that you've shared there. And um, really thank you for, for sharing that. Well, that's bringing us to the end of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Mr. Justin Hales from Camplify. Um, you can check him out at Camplify.com and you can reach out to Justin via LinkedIn. Hey, if you enjoyed that episode, do leave us a review on iTunes and we'll be sure to give you a shout out on an upcoming show. And what we're doing for you, uh, our listeners here, is we're going to create a special PDF highlight reel of everything Justin spoke about, all the steps that they took in their business so that you can go and work on these and implement them. So you can find that uh, free PDF highlight reel at businessgenerals.com forward slash 
Justin H. That's businessjournals.com forward slash Justin H. And uh, remember to click subscribe on your podcast player so you do not miss an episode. Justin, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today, for sharing your story with us. Absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Business Generals podcast. Connect with us at businessgenerals.com and grab the full show notes and access a ton of free resources. Subscribe to the Business Generals podcast so that you do not miss an episode and help us reach more people by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. We look forward to your company on our next episode. Until then, remember that you are a true business general. The Business Generals Podcast, helping you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career.